fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. This is 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? Just cold chilling. Yeah. About to drink a beer. In jammies. That's, I think, maybe the best part of studios across the street from our house. In PJs. Just pure jammies. I'm in slippers. You wore shoes, but it's because you had to cross the street. Walk across the street, yeah, indeed. I, I would wear. I have worn slippers to your house on several occasions. And I, I wore shoes and basically nothing else because, you know, bedtime clothes. Well, it's warm outside. <laughs> it's dark. Going. It's good. I had a good day. I uh, brought your router to my house. Or not your router, but your planer to my house today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did quite... I made six gallons of sawdust. I had to empty my... Back or my uh, shop vac today. Nice. Like, did did you was your shop vac any more effective at pulling the chips off the planer than mine was? I don't know. I didn't see what yours did, but there was still quite a pile in the front. Yeah, mine mine pulled almost none. I didn't try it without, but I don't know. I I haven't tried it without yet. But did that? Did a dry run of a butcher block tabletop that'll turn into a stool about what i want there's a couple tweaks i'm gonna make but yeah i just made a bunch of sawdust today and and to be clear the meadows roberts wood shop is still in its infancy but it is progressing it's very much in its infancy there are still no workbenches no workbenches all the tools are worked either off of saw horses and plywood or the floor right several thousand dollars in saws at this point Uh, on the floor on the floor (laughs) yeah (laughs) but coming right along yeah, coming right along. The router got put through its paces today. Yeah. You know, we went and bought some saws on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I bought I bought a table saw. We bought a planer. We bought a, a circular saw. Just, you know, new homeowner, I need some saws. And uh, I got back to the house. And, you know, it's one of these table saws with a... A stand, mm-hmm. you know, which is a big pain rolly in carts. the dick to put together, isn't it? Yeah, so it was. It, it took yeah. every bit of an hour to put it together. That's that's how long mine took. Uh, it wasn't particularly complicated. Um, every, the instructions were actually pretty good, but um, got it built, and I was like about to plug it in, and I was like, you know what? I haven't operated a table saw since high school. I should probably take a minute. And watch some YouTube videos nah. on table saw safety. Plug it in and start ripping it. Uh, I did not. I, I did go to the YouTubes and I watched some table saw videos. Uh, you know, just things like, okay, this is what you need to be thinking about. This is why, you know, people get, this is why and how people get injured. And it was good. It was a good sort of reminder that I'm about to plug in this machine that can and will, you know, maim or or even perhaps kill you. Uh, my... my- Table saw safety philosophy is pretend you don't have thumbs and yeah. you won't lose them. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep them out of the way. Yeah. Well, uh, in any event, I did I did finally get it turned on and, and made some shit this weekend. And, you know, nothing well, but I'm sort of learning the tools and uh, I'm excited for it. Yeah. It, it's it's fun. It was fun. You, using that planer, that, that planer is like, oh, man. Holy cow, this is cool. I have a jointer coming tomorrow. And I think that's going to be the game changer. 
I think between those three tools, there's basically nothing. Because then you're flat and square. Yeah. You know, uh, I had, so I did some shelf installation of my built-ins, and that required one by one by two support posts. Mm-hmm. And they were pretty rough. The one bys I bought were pretty yeah, rough. Were. And I grabbed my orbital sander and I laid these things out on a piece of plywood and I started to sand them. And I was like, man, this is going to take an hour just to get these things to finish great. And then I looked down and I had the planner sitting there. I was like, mm, yep, yep. And it took, I don't know, maybe. Two and a half minutes. Yeah, I think four minutes for, for all six of these one by twos. You know, you just run them through. And yeah, what, like 70 linear feet of lumber. And I wasn't running them through one at a time either. I was putting yeah. them in like three at a time. And then when I did the edges, I just put them all together. Mm-hmm. I didn't even, didn't clamp them or anything. I just set them together and ran them through, turned them over, did it again. It was like, fuck, man, my life has changed. It's a it's a game changer in the, to- in, in the wood shop. I, I got a drill press today. Did you use it? No, I just I left it in the box. I just went, I went and got it and was going to use it and then kind of got encumbered by everything else. So, what percentage of the people listening to us right now do you think are like how fucking long are these assholes going to talk about wood to, woodworking? I think probably less than we would think. It's a pure hobbyist. It's thing. yeah. We're hobbyists. It's a it's a gyrdoy hobbyist thing. I, I like how we come at this at approximately the same level as we came to watch us too. Both sort of both kind of beginners. You've got more woodworking experience than me. You've made shit. In fact, you made shit so cool that when you sold your house, people are like, "I want to have that cool thing that you made." Yeah, my my house was my dining room table, bench, and built-in storage bench were a part of my sales contract. And that's that's awesome, right? But I think relatively, we're both kind of noobs, right? I mean, you've, yeah. you've got experience making like construction lumber farmhouse furniture, and uh, I've got experience making nothing. Poops. Um, you make poops. Poops. I make poops sometimes more than one a day. I'm an extremely effective poop maker. Good for you. <laughs> well, short of starting a new podcast about woodworking, we should probably at some point, at some point, not necessarily now, but at some point talk about watches. Well, we're actually going to transition. This is going to be our first episode of four by two, which is a play on two by four. And welcome to the watch clicker corp (laughs) podcast, four by two hobbyist woodworking hosted by Everett and his good friend, Andrew. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. The podcast where we talk about wood. That's it. That's it. Not even what to do with it, just wood. So we can dive into watches today. Because we're can, talking about watches. Can I start with a, an aside that is not square on topic, but well, is watch related? This is not an aside. This is a, This is solid on topic. Just give it to me man put it in me as you all are aware if you follow the instagram and if you don't and you've been waiting patiently for a week for the impulse purchase announcement in, wait in that Venn diagram how many people do you think there are that know our podcast listen to our podcast and don't follow us on instagram like i know some folks 10 percent, maybe 
And it's people who don't have Instagram. I bet it's less than that. And and I know some folks have gotten rid of Instagram for whatever reason. You know, I'm just off of social media or whatever. But I bet it's even less than 10%. I think you're probably right. But I think it's entirely people who don't have social media. Yeah. I think anyone yeah. who, who listens to this podcast follows us. Yeah, fair enough. The, okay. the entire Watch Clicker family. I've so, been interrupted multiple times. A Seiko Alpinist came in the mail last week, and I've worn it. Penist. Not exclusively, because I wore my work watch, but I've worn the Alpinist only. Alpinist? Alpinist? Penist. Yeah. Since I got it. I put it on, and I was kind of like, eh, meh. I like it. I'm good with it. Everything's kind of what I expected. The more I've worn it, the more I like it. This is this is climbing the ladder of favorite watches that I own and have ever worn. And I've got it on a on a Mankey Designs PJ strap right now. Shout out to Nick. Ooh, worth the wait. Yeah, you know it's just super Japanese. Uh luxurious it's not thin which Mm -hmm. i which i like it's a a little thick pleasantly plump i Mm -hmm. would say uh it's just it's just a fantastic designed watch the cur the the curve of the lugs though sucks it right down against your wrist even on the bracelet the bracelet on your hot dog wrist even on the hot dog wrist the the problem that i my complaint about this watch Mm. is the bracelet it's just a run of the mill. You get it on every watch Seiko bracelet. Yeah, it's their it's their lower their their lower mid tier bracelet. But that speaks to the value of the bracelet you get when you buy it on a Sarb or on your SSB. They're they're using the same bracelet on your one hundred to four hundred dollar watch as they are on a six to seven hundred dollar watch. Yeah, it's a scissor class, but I mean, it's nicer than their Seiko Five stuff. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's going to be a step up from that. But it, it's certainly the the it's certainly the worst part of that watch. Yeah, the Cyclops is really cool. wasn't sure how I was going to feel about it in person. It's very cool and effective. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the nice thing about a Cyclops when you realize, oh, this is actually there's value here. Yeah, it, it's not just a thing. Um, but yeah, I've I've worn this watch a bucket load. I've worn it running tools. Doing everything. I wore it in the shower today because it was very dirty. Dusty, rather. And, and it's Mankey. got 200 meters of water resistance, so shower away. Yeah, shower away, shower away. Uh, my first prospects, but I dig it. I, th- I think if you're, if anyone's looking for, like, kind of on the fence about this watch, you've got the money set aside for it, you're not really sure, this is a watch worth taking the risk on, I think. And now you got the black dialed one, which yes. I think, which I think is for me that would be that would be the one i would pick out I, although i'm sort of i've got a, a soft spot for the classic green the og mm-hmm. 017 green in fact the the gilted green yeah now i got the i didn't get the new release i did get the one with the four o'clock crown with the internal rotating bezel classic alpinist yeah i was thinking the gray one that was like a european only not limited edition limited edition release but it's quite <laughs> a bit more expensive yeah yeah and I like buying watches new. Yeah, no, I think you nailed it. It's it's a fantastic watch. You, you know, that's an interesting thing you just said. You like buying watches new because I like buying watches new too. Um, 
But when we talked to Clay a few weeks back, he said, you know, I basically buy everything used. I think he's buying it knowing he's going to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. And we tend to buy watches knowing or at least suspecting we want to keep them. Yeah, this this isn't. When I first got it, I was like, I don't know. This isn't going anywhere. Yeah, you said that, that it Mm -hmm. might be a catch and release. No, this isn't going anywhere. Great. It's It's beautiful. I really like it. I do too. I really like it. So for those of you on the fence, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're crazy. <laughs> and if, if you're in the market for a uh, a little bit more utilitarian tool-leaning sport watch, that's a good choice. You know, and, and, and you know, that compared to like, say, a, a Nighthawk, right? Because I think they kind of have similar functions. I mean, I can use this internal rotating bezel. I do not know how a slide rule works. They don't practice. I mean, they don't yeah. have the same. They don't have the same complications at all, right? Yeah. But they they kind of fit that like refined sport watch. That's right. That refined tool watch vibe. Yeah. Uh, they're nothing alike. Um, but as between those two, I think a Nighthawk is maybe a little bit of a throwaway watch, and it's not just price either. Um, a little bit of a throwaway watch. The Alpinist is not, right? This, the Alpinist is inside baseball. It, you know, there's a, an old insurance salesman that subleases from me, and he wears a Nighthawk. It's not one of the standard fair Nighthawks. It's like one of the one-off Nighthawks. But he's just a dude that wound up in a Macy's one day and was like, I'll get that one. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, and, and that's not to take anything away from the watch. Because I love the Nighthawk, and I, I still don't understand how I haven't bought one. Yeah, I, I mean, given opportunities recently to buy one, I've still decided not to. So I think I might just not ever buy a Nighthawk. Just protest. <laughs> Unless I see one for like a hundred bucks someday. Like a pawn shop. Like, yeah, fuck, I get it. They were like 180 bucks the other day on Joma Shop. Maybe 200 bucks. That's how I ended up with my uh, Boliva Orient Mako was I saw it at a pawn shop for 35 bucks. Your Bulova Orient Mako? Yeah, I've got a Bulova, I thought oh, it's an yeah, Ocean yeah. Star yeah. that yeah. is an Orient Mako. But I saw it at a pawn shop for, it's quartz. I saw it at a pawn shop for 35 bucks and I was like, meh. Yeah, might as well. <laughs> I never wear it, you know, but it's what? made by, you know, I think it's an, I think it actually is an Orient uh, manufacturer. I don't know how that, how that happened, but. Curious. That'd be an interesting story to dig into. Yeah. But we're not talking about tool watches today. No, in fact, the opposite. We are not talking about complicated watches, although maybe. Rather, we're talking about... Mysterious. The death. Yes. Thesis being the dress watch is dead. We're talking about the death of the dress watch. Rest in peace, dress watch. (laughs) Which is not to say our conclusion is going to be that the dress watch is dead. But starting with the thesis that the dress watch is dead. Tell me about dress watches, Andrew. So here's my thinking on a dress watch. I think it's an important piece of a watch collection is a watch that you can wear with a suit, a watch that you can wear with a tuxedo. I want mine to be small. And I don't mean like, 30 millimeters small. I want like 34 to 38, 
small. I don't want to date. I hate date on a dress watch. I don't want loom because it doesn't need it. I don't want numerals. I either want like just a flat face, nothing, maybe Roman numerals, maybe indices, but I want numbers. I don't want number markers. Two, maybe three hands. Small seconds can be acceptable, but depends on how it's executed. I'm okay with flat. I'm okay with domed crystal. And I want it on leather. I don't want a big-ass bezel. I don't want a big-ass crown. I want something as simple as it gets. One of the things that comes to mind, like just right out of the gate, is the HK Ed 63 or any of the 1963 series. That comes to your mind right away. Even though it's a chronograph, it's got all these other things that are just super simple. All of the extra complications are executed in such a way that they don't become the watch. That watch is a dress watch that is also a chronograph, even though it's a pilot's watch. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's right? a military it, it's a pilot bizar- watch. It's a bizarro, nothing makes sense about it watch. <laughs> then I go to the Bambino, and the Bambino is a good example of a dress watch. It's just a touch too big. It's got a date window, but like the worst things could happen. The dimensions on it are a little off because it's got a weird lug size. But It's 41 millimeters on the Bambino. Yeah, 41 and 21 lug width. Is it that big or is it 39? I can never remember. It's 41. Okay. It's just a, it's a touch big. Mm-hmm. Dome Sapphire makes it seem even bigger. But I want something as absolutely simple as it gets. Something you can do a quick glance, you get a good deed, get a read on it. And if you can't, it doesn't matter because there is an accessory. Because you're at a dress you're at a dress function. You don't need to worry about the time. But you should be wearing a watch. On leather, not a bracelet. Yeah, so I think my standards are are not different than yours, but maybe a little bit nuanced. Uh Simple, obviously, not sporty, right? So no loom, like you said. Um, no, you know, no extra sort of utility tool adornment to the case. Uh, I agree with your. I agree with your size qualifications. I think, you know, although certainly dress watches come in forty-one millimeters and even even bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, I I personally want something. Probably thirty-eight or smaller, just knowing knowing how I wear watches and what and and what that's going to look like for me. Thin, thin, yes. right? You, you know, I, I'm not going to call out dimensions, but you, you know, overall a, a low profile. It's got to fit under your shirt sleeve if you're not wearing cufflinks. And then and then black croc, right? Black croc, maybe brown croc, yeah. A, crocodile strap on a dress watch if it's truly a dress watch a crocodile strap you've got a dress watch what about ray (laughs) i mean no yeah ostrich perhaps actually yeah maybe you might be able to get away with ostrich. but we're talking an exotic leather yeah and without being ostentatious that's exotic kind of it's hard to say like conservatively exotic that's a weird turn of phrase but i'm gonna say conservatively exotic traditionally exotic maybe yeah sure yeah but you get but then you start to get too exotic and it's like all right that's that's no longer you, you know now you've got a red ruffle on your yeah on your shirt collar you, you or a, something you a peacock feather right 
<laughs> and it becomes gaudy and no longer, yeah, and no longer classy. So, yeah, I, you know, I think within that, and and it's sort of like pornography, right? It's like I know it when I see it. Um, yeah, you, you know, <laughs> it, it's not. Uh, it's not gonna. It, there's going to be exceptions to every rule, and, and so with that in mind, we're starting tonight with this thesis, as I've called it, that really, for all intents and purposes, the dress watch is dead. That today, currently, as we sit here, there's no market for regular folk. I'll just say the affordable watch market. There's no real dress watch market segment within that. And there's also no inventory for it. Like, not only does the demand not exist, there is also not a supply for it, which is, it's weird. So, assuming the thesis is true, for the moment, assuming the thesis is accurate, even though I'm going to suggest, and I have already suggested that it's maybe not accurate, Andrew might is... Andrew might disagree. We'll see what happens. We've got time. Uh, but assuming that it's true, what do you think is the evolution of the death, the quote-unquote death of the dress watch? I, I, think, I think the dress watch died with the explosion of digital watches when they became accessible to everyone and they were the craze of the watch market, everybody was wearing digital watches. We were kind of on the downturn of the quartz crisis, but people were in love with digital watches. And you see digital watches in steel cases, you see them in gold cases, you see these precious metals, you see steel, you see all the normal watch things filling digital watches. People are comfortable with digital. And then resin kind of takes the takes the lead in the digital watch world. And that's what people start wearing. You know, they might have their their whatever watch. Maybe, maybe they have a steel watch they're wearing to work. But they wear their resin cased digital watch all the other times. Such that it slowly becomes that people aren't buying two-hand watch. They're not buying three-hand precious metal watches. They're not buying dress watches for dress occasions. They're not buying dress watches to be dressed. Like, you know, you're, you you think of the 80s when people are wearing these, like in even early, in early 90s when bankers wearing an, a miss-sized bracelet on a giant steel watch because that's a dress watch. Mm. Like, this is my steel watch. It's my dress watch. It's got a big jangly-ass bracelet that hasn't been sized. It doesn't fit because when they get home, they put on their g-shock or whatever mm. i think that's it i think we see the, the the death of the dress watch within the explosion of accessibility to digital watches because that became the kind of par that we judged watches off of it was no longer like the you know the the g10 the the take your pick of normal worn watches in the 70s and before Nothing was made of steel anymore. So steel became like, oh, it's a metal watch. It's dressy. I remember a kid 
seeing like a, a watch on a bracelet and be like, oh, that's a dress watch. I don't want something that dressy. It's a steel fucking bracelet. It's a sport watch. But that's where my mind went. And with no knowledge of watches and no, no, you know, no watches, no, no knowledge of fashion or style. But well, so that's interesting that you say that because you're tying it to a specific event in in the watch industry. Uh, and and I would argue that although the timing on that is convenient for your argument, it's it's also in terms of timing tied to another phenomenon, which is sort of the death of of off of business wear in the mm-hmm. office, the death of the necktie, um, you know, the death of death of dress shoes. Uh, follows a similar trajectory you know if you want to buy so we live in eugene oregon eugene oregon's a you know quarter of a million That's people less than, yeah, okay uh, i accept quarter of a million um and, and and so it's a small city you know when you take eugene springfield which is our mm-hmm. sister city and kind of squeeze them together it's a small city so we've got shopping malls we've got a two distinct but decent downtown areas we've got retail um you cannot i don't believe you cannot buy in eugene oregon today or where it's tonight but tomorrow you could not buy a pair of goodyear welted dress shoes i do not believe that there is any retail establishments in eugene that you could go to and buy a goodyear welted dress shoe now 50 years ago, you could probably at seven or eight different places mm-hmm. buy a dress shoe. And go to three different dudes to resole and repair those shoes. That's right. That's exactly right. I do not believe today you can retail buy a dress shoe. And that is not, uh, you know, say what you will about, you know, American fast food retail attitudes i think that something else has happened which is that our society has become utilitarian right you can go buy a dress merrill or something whatever you, you know can in fact i'm, I'm sure I, i'm saying that a little bit tongue-in-cheek but but should people wear red wings as dress boots that's right that's right there's a thing that happened in the 80s where Everything started to relax. N- nobody wears ties in Eugene. I am a partner at a law firm, a business law firm. Yeah. And today we had one guy in a dress shirt with a tie and a jacket, untucked with jeans. And the only reason he was dressed that way is because he was in hearings over Zoom. We had So we had to be party on top business or business on top, party on the bottom. That's right. We had our senior partner wearing, I don't know, some sort of Hoka trainer, cargo, like technical cargo pants, and a polo shirt. We was it had, tucked in? Uh, it was untucked. <laughs> <laughs> we had our managing partner, me, I guess, uh, wearing jeans and an untucked button down. We had our associate, the only guy who has to worry about getting fired. He was wearing a t-shirt 
And it's okay, right? And we had, you know, we don't see clients these days, but we could see clients. And probably if we saw a client, you'd be wearing just a little bit nicer than that. You'd put on khakis instead of jeans, right? Um, you hope. You, you know, we don't dress up anymore. And so instead of Goodyear Welted, Alan Edmonds, or whatever, you know, or floor chimes or, or whatever pick, people yeah. wore in the 60s and 70s, instead of that, you wear, you know, Merrill driving loafers or whatever, uh, <laughs> you, you know, because they're practical, right? You You don't wear a suit. You wear chinos. You, you know... Everything is practical. Everything is comfortable. Everything is practical. Everything is utilitarian. You want to be able to go on a hike, you know, walk at lunch or whatever, right? And I think that that, just as much as the the quartz boom, I think that that attitude is what's driving folks away from the traditional dress watch. It's funny you say you might want to be able to go on a hike at lunch. I, I I don't know if I saw it or read it or heard it, but at the, this this phrase rings in my mind of people on the West Coast always dress as if a hike might break out. <laughs> it's true though, right? Yeah, it's a funny no. joke, but it's true. Yeah, and that's and and I think that's that's a. It's interesting that those two things coincide in time. And it should be mentioned that there's regional differences. You you just referred to it implicitly, right? Saying everybody on the West Coast dresses this way. And, and certainly there are places on the East Coast where there's a much higher degree of formality. You know, you know there's still this thing where people say, you know, the ABA guidance for law, to law students is if you're applying for your job, you need to be wearing a suit and tie. And, and I think that that's probably true if you're interviewing at a law firm suit and tie if you're interviewing anywhere you should be wearing a suit and a tie eh, maybe not uh but also you know there's places in new york where lawyers go to work every day in a suit and tie i don't think that there is more than one or two firms in all of oregon where people wear a suit and tie to work every day you know even the even the big ones even the big national firms by and large, dress codes are relaxed. If you're not in court, you're probably not wearing a tie. And that's that's a West Coast phenomenon, is my point. But it's still interesting, those two significant shifts are occurring simultaneously. And it's and it's significant. Right? We went from a world where ever where, where you're wearing as normal daily wear wool pants and welted boots like welted leather boots a button-up shirt and a tie and a dress watch to a world where you can wear solomon running shoes and technical pants and a t-shirt and a g-shock to the same office yeah (laughs) so it becomes a chicken or the egg question right did the did the overall relaxed attitude about the formality of everyday dress drive the quartz crisis and perhaps the the decline of dress watches or did the quartz crisis drive the decline of workwear in the united states 
serious question. Yeah. <laughs> or, I mean, it's fair yeah. to assume that they just happened in parallel. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, uh, obviously being a little facetious there. But I, I do think that those two things are happening side by side, right? And so when we talk about the death of the dreth... dreth <laughs> when we... T- we got double ooze out of that one. When we talk about the death of the, the Dreth watch, we have to we have to insert some caveats, right? Yes. Because it's not just dress watches that died in the 80s. It's Disco died in the 80s. I mean, come on. Mechanical watches died in the 80s. Mm-hmm. To some degree, analog watches died in the 80s, to a certain degree, right? The idea of, close, a, yeah. of a watch completely changed. And now, as we sit here today, no one needs a watch. In fact, there will be times when me, a watch dude, is wearing a watch, and I've even had set it that day, and I'll still look at my phone to glean the time, right? We are no longer dependent on these things. And so... In and of themselves, watches are anachronistic, which we've said on the show a billion times, mm-hmm. countless times. And, and so it's not necessarily that the dress watch has died. It's that it's become more anachronistic. It's become more uh, uh, esoteric, perhaps. And, and so dress watches being a segment, uh, a, a small segment, you, you know, of that already esoteric thing are just getting squeezed. And here's where the caveat comes in because I do not think dress watches are dead at all in the luxury segment. No, I'd say starting at about $15,000 up to, you know, $60,000, the coolest watches being made. Some of the coolest watches being made are dress watches, right? Mm-hmm. Longa, obviously, is, yeah. you, you know, driving dress watches, a fantastic, beautiful uh, Piaget, right? These companies that are making luxury items are selling the shit out of dress watches. But that perfectly tracks. Dress watches are an appropriate segment in the luxury category because dress is luxury we were talking to mike and will about this earlier um and we made fun of mike because he had a he owns a tuxedo mike razak owns a tuxedo i i was gonna make fun of him because it's a notch lapel which i think is weird i think if you're gonna buy a tuxedo you should either go peak or or shawl you know whatever (laughs) buy a black suit if you want a notch lapel (laughs) fuck (laughs) Um, but I wanted to remain focused on the topic. That's a luxury purchase. Even if you buy an inexpensive men's warehouse, you're going to be able to get into a decent tuxedo that you can wear a couple times for probably $500. You go to, you go to them on a good weekend, you get a buy one, get one free and you get two tuxedos for $500. But I, I think, I think, you could probably get one for less. You can probably get into one for a hundred dollars, but you shouldn't wear that. You're going to break out in hives, and and maybe a rash that never heals. But I think about five hundred <laughs> bucks is probably probably a safe bet. 
that's not the same for a, a good, for an attractive, true-to-form dress watch. And I think within the, the segment of the watch world that we exist in, the dress watch doesn't, doesn't, it isn't, it's gone. Bye. It's done. Yeah. Well, so that's an interesting question. Do, I think some people think dress watches should be, perhaps need to be precious metal. What, what do you say to that? I don't think it needs to be precious metal because I think precious metals are uh, timeless in their style, but they're not always in style. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. You, you will never look wrong in a gold 36 millimeter dress watch. Yeah. But it also isn't always going to be what fits every like fits the rest of your style. If you're wearing, say, a vintage, you go and, and you know Evan's probably a better person to be an example for this. But for me, if I'm wearing a gold 36 millimeter dress watch, that's kind of the cornerstone of what I'm wearing. I can't wear anything else to beat that. That's going to be the biggest statement I'm wearing for me in my mind. So maybe it's just a mental thing that I can't get over. But I don't think it needs to be a precious metal. I think it's all about style and design and being unassuming, elegant, and invisible all at once. Well, and really, I mean, how different does a steel dress watch look from a white gold dress watch? And could you tell from... Without biting it. Right, that's right. I mean... Practically speaking, with modern finishing, even even anachronistic finishing, uh, it, you, you can't really tell the difference. So at some point, unless you're insisting that your dress watch be yellow gold, at some point it's just the idea of the thing. And I'm not arguing that that's a bad that that's a bad uh, motivation, but you're you're speaking super pragmatically right and and i think that that's a totally reasonable point also the value of precious metals is through the roof skyrocketed yeah which is maybe part of the reason that normals can't afford precious metal watches unless you go super vintage and really hunt for it and then you're just buying it buying the watch itself for scrap and hoping you can get the movement to work again right (laughs) so double the price yeah that's right we talked about gold watches a few weeks ago and uh, I sort of thought, you know, it's time. I need to buy a gold watch. And then I quickly just abandoned it because I was yeah. like, I'm just not finding what I want. Um, I'm not finding a thing that's calling out to me. You, you know, it's, I'm going to spend more than I want to. To get something book. I'm not particularly excited about. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's where I got. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that's, it's, it's a good point though, right? Because I do know that some people feel strongly about that that you know a dress watch should be made out of a precious metal here's the other thing is we we, will circle back there's not a affordable dress watch there are no micro brands doing it barring solace right he did his run of it that's the dressiest watch i've seen in the micro world you know you got to cut out seiko fives because those are sport watches yeah the Bambino is there, but it's a bit of a miss. Yeah. I think $500 is really your floor to get into an appropriately sized dress watch. 
Yeah, you know, I think Seiko's got some stuff in their presage line. Certainly, mm-hmm. the cocktail time is a is a an old favorite and his recommendation. Yeah. But yeah, it, I mean, even then, you're you're getting real close to five hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then yeah, right. I I know that we talked about some affordable, uh, affordable dress watches. Um, I, I think my favorite of the sub thousand dollar dress watches is the Mido Mido. Mm-hmm. Baroncelli. I think it's a, a really attractive, beautiful watch. Um, it's maybe a touch busy. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's not ostentatious by any means, but maybe a touch busy on the dial. Uh, it could be a little bit more refined. Um, I wanted a Tissot. Visitate? Visitate. For one. I was waiting for you to say tits out. Mm. I wanted a Tissot visitate uh for a number of years i think i've i've abandoned that desire um but you know there are things that you can find what what was the one that you uh I, so had i had gleaned on to my uh my grab in the affordable realm is the hamilton american classic valiant auto yeah it's about 600 bucks yeah but it's got all the right things it's roman numerals but the roman numerals are super tight that almost look like just markers. They're very, very narrow. A little bit of radial brushing on the on the black dial just gives it a little bit of way to catch light. It's got a date window. Yeah. And I think from there you get into a number of sort of questionable is this a dress watch, right? You know, the the nomos. Yeah. Uh the tangente that Clay uh was wearing the other day or or even the club campus, right? Mm-hmm. Is it, is a Bauhaus a dress watch? I that's don't right. Know. Is Bauhaus a dress watch? And, and perhaps, right? Perhaps it could be used as a dress watch. I think there's probably people, but I don't think it is there. a dress watch. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I it think it's the mold. It it, it works. It, it would and could work. But so does a Sarb. So does a Speedmaster, and a Speedmaster does just because of the heritage of the brand. Like, oh, that's an Omega. That's an expensive watch. <laughs> I think a Sarb works. I'm not sure a Speedmaster works, despite Will's protestations. Uh, y- yeah, right. That you, you really we're living in a time where you've got a ton of options, right? You, you know, and and we're acting like this is a totally new phenomenon. You know, certainly this the uh, Rolex Submariner. It owes some of its legacy to having been worn by James Bond with a tux and a NATO, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you, you know, so there's this is not a totally new phenomenon, but I think today, throw out all the rules, people want to watch that they can wear to the pool and with a suit, right? I want, I want a Sarb, I want a hundred, two hundred meters of water resistance, and I don't have to have some silly thin fragile precious thing i can just wear a watch that looks good because there's no rules controlling so when we say the dress watch is dead that's why i think that's what's driving it we don't have to wear dress watches so why the fuck would i wear a dress watch because i want an eight millimeter thick hand cranker that i can wear once every other year was it you that was talking about the pocket watch how yeah you, you know the, the the idea of 
a man wearing a wristwatch. Oh, Mike brought that up. At one point was was unheard of, you, you know. Um, and then certainly, you know, that changed quickly after World War One, as we've talked about. But everyone wore watches. Multiple times on the show. Now everybody's wearing a, a, a wristwatch. And, you know, before that, it was a pocket watch. Gentlemen wore pocket watches. And, and today, pocket watches aren't dead. That's a weird thing to do, though. But, it, yeah, that's right. It's like having a fedora collection. Yeah, or sure. Or a fedora. <laughs> you dig it. I dig it that you dig it. But that's a little weird, right? And, and there's certainly people who collect pocket watches, and they think they're great and cool, and I think they're great and cool. I'm happy to see the collection. Don't show me your fedora collection, though. <laughs> <laughs> One is a collection for me. That's that's right. I think we see dress watches kind of going that direction, except that they're still functional, right? If I had a longer one, I could wear that, and people would be like, "Nice fossil, bro. Cool, cool weekender." <laughs> you know, right? And, and and but watch people would know. I'd know. Much this as is any a watch, cool ass fucking watch. And you know what? Put it on Croc and wear it with a tux, and you're the coolest guy in the room. But don't nobody know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, you you know, a dress watch is still just a watch at the end of the day. So you can. But why would you? I want some brands to be dropping two-handers and three-handers in the affordable segment. Hey, you mentioned earlier you want a one-hander. I I think think, that'd be dope. Yeah, I don't think I I I want that. Just a 24-hour dial. Oh my god! One hand, twenty-four yeah. hour. Yeah, one revolution a day. <laughs> it's it's between one and two. I can't tell you any better than that. <laughs> what time is it? Well, between one twenty and one forty ish. It's afternoon. <laughs> yeah. It's early morning. <laughs> twenty-four hour one hander. Yeah, no, I mean I'm I'm fine with that. It's for like the person who never leaves the house. It's a perfect weekend watch. It's like well, I guess it's time for bed. It's like if you're a novelist, a, a, a novelist who's not married, that's the watch you need because yeah. all you need to know is like, oh yeah, it's, it's like the it's, it's like dinnerish time. It's like the Boktok radio rooms. Like we really just look down and see if your hour hand is within your red markers. We're like, ah, it's time. <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. That's what, but that's my thinking. Is like I, I want to see. I don't want to see an explosion of dress watches. I just want to see a few out there that people can have. Because a, a, it's not a one watch. It's not a two watch. It's not your third watch. This is a little bit deeper in the collection of a special occasional watch mm-hmm. that you, you break out, you wear with a suit and tie, you wear with a tuxedo, you, you wear for these special occasions where you would be dressing up just to... Just to pump your game up a little bit, and you know what? If you're if you're one of these if you're one of these folks that can wear Crocs with uh you know whatever Supreme T-shirt and and fucking pull it off, it, maybe you wear that with a T-shirt and jeans and you look cool as shit, right? I don't know. That's I'm not that guy. So oh, that's not me, right? You, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of options there, and, and if you're into it. Certainly, there are, there are things you can do to obtain a dress watch, but functionally speaking, as a staple in your collection, I think I think the thesis is true: the dress watch is dead, unless you want to spend a few thousand dollars. Yeah, 
Because I think I think the the least you can get into one, you can get into like a a Cartier, like a uh, a tank or a Desantis. Like, yeah, are, are we gonna call the Santos a dress watch? It, it's not not. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, not a Desantis, a Desantos, or, or uh, <laughs> what else did I pull up? I pulled up. Um, I'm okay calling. Uh, you know, I really like. Uh, you know, I really like some of these dress watch designs. Uh, I think that the, I think that the Patek, yeah, the Nailhead Calatrava, I think is one of the most beautiful watches ever made. Uh, obviously, a tank, a tank is fantastic. Uh, Jaeger Lacoultre Reverso, beautiful watches, especially the mm-hmm. the three hand sort of simple, like yes. the not reversing Reverso. Love it. Yeah. Love it. And, and and I would appreciate that watch. I, I could wear that watch and I would enjoy that watch. It's just not something I'm dying to have. Would you call a crash a dress watch? No, I don't know. What about the Thunderdome? We get a Thunderdome dress watch. It's the one that's the yeah. MBNF with the... It's not not a dress watch, <laughs> but it certainly isn't one. <laughs> yeah, well... Uh, yeah, so so, I the dress us, watch is dead for our purposes. The dress watch is dead, but also not. Yeah, yeah. You're still the owner of a dress watch, a Bambino. Ish. It's a dress watch. Ish. Dress watch. Ish. Nah, it's yeah. a dress watch. There's nothing else you can fucking do with that watch. No, you can't even look at it when you're wet. <laughs> Andrew. Other things. What you got? I have a. <sighs> What was that? Dog hair. It looked like a hairball or something. I got these new clamps. Because I'm working with... Nipple clamps? Like the alligator style? Those are my favorite. Yeah, you hook them to a car battery. Yeah. It's a real party. Yeah. Uh, and you, you also can wear them when nobody's looking. And that's, <laughs> that's cool. Uh, so I got some new clamps. Because I've been working with really wide pieces of lumber. Yeah. Yeah, you have. And if any of you do any kind of woodworking, man, you're loving this. <laughs> and you don't have these. These are worth checking out. So you, I got uh, the, the from Harbor Freight, the brand Pittsburgh. I got which, is, which is Harbor Freight's like low end yeah it's their entry level shit and harbor freight is the dollar store of tool stores it's the entry level of the entry level yes i got their half inch cast iron pipe clamps yeah you did and i want to say i paid like 5.99 for them i pulled up the three quarter inch on my phone and i'm not going to search for it again those are 8.99 and what you do is you buy these clamps and then you go to lowe's and you buy pre-threaded, pre-cut to length pipe. And you screw your pipe clamp on both ends. And you have a fully adjustable, wrench it down fucking tight clamping system for $15. And for those of you who have ever bought clamps of any variety before... You know that once you start breaking like 24 inches, you're into like the 30 and $40 category. 
Yeah, yeah, and you need a shitload of them. You can't get two clams. No, that's not enough. Sometimes you go and it's like, oh, well, I guess I'm not buying clams today. Get these pipe clams. They're cheap. They're super versatile. And really, if you want, if you don't, if you don't want to have a bunch of overhang, you can just have a stack of different length pipe in your garage or your wood shop, wherever you work, and just adjust that way. 17 bucks for like per clamp, so 30 bucks for two, $34 for two 48 inch clamps, which is like what you would pay for one quick. And and is is it is a quick release, right? Yeah, it's quick release on It is a quick release. Yeah. So it's it's quick release how adjustment. Does that, how does that quick release how does that feel? Does it feel chintzy? Nope. Is that a bad word? Am I not allowed to say that? It's our podcast. Okay. Well <laughs> uh no. So quick release feels solid. It Someone gets a, will tell me and I know exactly who it's gonna be. It gets a great bite on the pipe. And then it's got a clamp on the other end that's also screws down like a C clamp. So you get really, really good gripping power out of these. I've been very pleased. I probably will not ever buy uh, quick grips again or quick clamps, whatever you call. Sure. Like the trigger, big hand trigger clamps. Yeah. Yeah, those are money. You know, I'm a big fan of the traditional sort of... uh, all thread screw style mm-hmm. uh, clamps, but I saw I saw your your pipe clamps, and it, it seems like a decent alternative to that. Uh, it's maybe the not, same thing. Maybe not quite as much. You don't have quite as much distance as you would with that traditional style. I think you do. Yeah. Well, I, I'm I'm into it. Weight weight's always a concern, but it, they're heavy. Yeah. But if you're working on a on a good bench, like the weights, whatever. Do you think you could use them with aluminum pipe? Could you just get conduit and thread it? Be worth a try. Yeah, I, I think it, depending on how much torque you put onto it, you might compromise the. Yeah. You you might over torque the aluminum. Yeah. But I just got cast iron, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, plumbing pipe that's pre-threaded. Worked great. Money. Yeah. I wonder if PVC would work. <laughs> it might. Yeah, it might. It, obviously, it's going to bow. It's not going to give you quite as much stability. I might do some experimenting with the next set. I've got another thing. Do me. Speaking of Crocs. Ooh. I got a pair of shoes this week. They're not shoes. I impulse bought them. I impulse bought them. Uh, I got a pair of EVA foam same material that Crocs are made out of. Birkenstocks. I hate them. <laughs> I did not get them in black or gray or brown. Or perhaps. mossy oak. Certainly not mossy oak. I got royal blue EVA Birkenstocks. Birkencrocs. Birkencrocs. I like Crockenstocks better, but you know, take your pick. And they are my favorite shoes that I own right now. <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> I saw I saw them on. They have the injected molded mm-hmm. foam clasp mm-hmm. as if to like as if that's going to fool anyone. It's, it's a real a, clasp. It's a plastic clasp. The the buckles are real and functional. Are they? Mhm. That makes it worse. 
so I bought these. Uh, I bought these, and I've I've been a Birkenstock wear. I, I mean, I live in Oregon, right? I wear Birkenstocks. I don't own any. Never have. And I enjoy them. I enjoy wearing Birkenstocks. Uh, I bought. The, I actually bought my first pair of Birkenstocks when I started running long distances, because you know the footbed is anatomic and ergonomic and whatever other nomic you want, and they just feel nice after a run. It, it's it's a good healthy thing, and it feels good, and you air your feet out, and yada yada yada. Uh, but I've I've worn Birkenstocks for years, and then. <laughs> This year, I wanted a pair of waterproof sort of flip-flops, something to wear in a waterproof fashion. Uh, but I just hate flip-flops. They're I, so uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable, and they look stupid. I'm sorry if you're a flip-flop wearer. In my mind, I don't like them. And I saw these things, and I was like, I think this is it. And so I ordered them with low expectation, right? Because I'm not going to wear Crocs. I don't really, it's not my thing. Low expectations. I got them. I adjusted them, put them on, and I was like, fuck, man. And then I just wear them all the time. Anytime I'm at the house, basically. How much are they? I'm wearing them. 40 bucks. I still hate them. <laughs> I, I but might, you've, reconsidered, you've reconsidered your disdain. I might buy a pair because I also hate flip-flops. Mm-hmm. I don't like getting my slippers wet. And river shoes are so hard to get on. Mm-hmm. Which oh, is yeah. nice because they also don't then come off in the in the water. You know, I've got chacos for for boat activities, and they are a pain in the dick. I've got like fully enclosed. What's the brand that's like a hand? Oh, like the five finger? Yeah, it's like a. <laughs> You've got five fingers. Yeah, it's just a hand. I don't remember the name of the, the ones name. with the toes. No, 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 no. It's a fully enclosed. It's an aqua sock, but okay. not an aqua sock. It's like protected yeah. on top. And so I wear those in the boat uh, or like river activities, but they, they do not go on easy and they really don't go on easy once they're, once they're wet. Yeah. Like they're on and they're on for the day. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If they come off, that's it. I'm not going back in the water. I'm going to dry my feet off and put on shoes. So those are those. That's kind of intriguing because I hate flip flops. They yeah. look stupid to me. I've never found a pair that was comfortable because they just rub in all the weird places. You get blisters, they break, and then you stub your toe or they fall off. It's just a fucking... You know, when I was in college, I had a pair of those reefs with the bottle opener on the bottom. Sounds right. They were cool. Yeah. That's gross that you would put the bottom of your shoe on a bottle. I did all the time. I believe it. It was awesome. So just... gross. <laughs> That's... And they were comfortable, right? But yeah, I, I'm a 40-year-old man and I'm not wearing bottle opener reefs. I, I didn't ever like seeing people open bottles at the bottom of their shoe or their belt buckle. Like, I don't... I don't. <laughs> Can we please keep the beer away from your penis? Yeah, like why? why? Why was that? You don't have one in your pocket? Like a normal person? Freak. Andrew, as much as I like hanging out with you, I think the time has come. Is there anything else you want to add before we go? I'm just sorry. The dress watches are dead. Dead. Dress watches are deader than dead, man. Yeah. Hey, thanks for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20. Check us out on the website, watchclicker.com. Every single episode of the podcast, reviews, articles, we got the goods, man. You can check us, check us out on Instagram, at 40 and 20, at watchclicker. 
If you want to support the show on the website, and we really, really, really hope you want to support the website and podcast, you can do so at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. And don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.